Welcome to the Hidden History Happy Hour podcast with Alex Dean and Brian Cunningham. Here we have a drink, have a laugh, and you just might learn something about our favorite stories from history. Please visit our website at hiddenhistoryhappyhour.com and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Cheers. Alex, my friend, our first, so many firsts on this podcast, yeah. haunted hidden history haunted hour from the Von Bar yeah. in the Bowery in New yeah. York City. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you so much to our amazing host, Karen Von. Thank you, Karen. In case anyone didn't hear that, thank you so much for our wonderful host, Karen Von. I'm happy to announce the Von Bar. Three Bleecker Street, Bowery, Manhattan, island in the center of the world, is the official bar of the Hidden <laughs> History Happy Hour. <laughs> so, Karin, for better or worse, we will be back. Now, you might notice, viewers, I'm a little dressed up tonight. Never wear a jacket before. <laughs> and this is because this place in which we sit is actually, as you're about to hear, haunted. Why does that affect my choice of clothes? Very good question. Alex, with his British accent, will fit in fine with ghosts from the 20s, the 30s, the 1890s. Gregory is a, is a person who hangs out in this place. Karen owns the place. I'm the only one the ghosts might fuck with. <laughs> so I figure I'd dress up a little bit. I'm a little bit more of a dandy. Maybe they'll leave me alone. Enough about me. Perhaps more than enough about me. Alex, volume two. Yeah. Lessons from history. Been announced. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, Woo! Thank, thank you very much. In fact, I think that's the first time we've mentioned it on the podcast. So, yeah, Bite Back have, uh, have asked me to do another volume. Uh, and you better believe there's going to be a story or two in there about the Vomba. Well, this is my question. Is yeah. there going to be a ghost story in yeah, volume inevi two? Inevitably. I'm going to steal. What I do is I steal my friend's stories and then <laughs> turn them into. So you better. This is definitely going to be a thing. Well, there's nothing else to say except let the stealing begin. Karen, please tell us a story. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's it's really great to have you guys here. I'm a Thank huge you. fan of the Hidden History Happy Hour. Thank you. Um, I hope you're enjoying your drinks. We've made a corpse reviver for you, and that seemed appropriate. You know, I actually <laughs> heard from Alex's publisher that that's what they were going to call book, too. Uh, corpse <laughs> reviver. Uh, how witty. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, let me just say also shout out to our amazing guest bartender, Ryan, uh, who we were going to make Alex Thank you, Ryan. guess his town of origin. Uh, and everyone here has just been awesome. Please proceed. Great. Um, so yeah, you know we've had we've had some s ghost sightings, uh, I guess. Um, we've seen a girl who steps out of the wall behind the bar upstairs. Um, she rattles bottles. She turns tap handles off and on. Um, she's kind of sweet, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Not very frightening. Although well, she turns the taps on, so that's a good That's sign. a good thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, also terrifying. <laughs> um, and then there's the man down here who um, paces this floor 
And he walks from that door over there, diagonally across the floor to over here. Um, I've never seen him in in the flesh <laughs> or in, in the, the spirit. protoplasm, ectoplasm, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, I may have seen a video of him. I'm not really sure. Um, but our we have a porter, Lalo, and he he sees the ghosts all the time. <laughs> wow. Uh, maybe this is all the story about Lalo's uh, mind. But but, he, but he's, he, he's not the only person that's He's seen not it. the only. So there's that. S- exactly. Well, there is right. that. And, yeah. and, and we have one of our folks that's here tonight, who I'm not going to drag up on stage, but who has heard ghostly happenings down in this basement area. Yes, when it was supposedly empty. Yeah. And crashing things when there was nothing crashed at the bottom yeah. of the stairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a you know a lot of activity. Um, it's like almost like um, an infestation, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a historic part of town, right? It's absolutely, yeah. The Bowery is, you know, the oldest thoroughfare in New York. The Lenape Indians used it um, as a footpath. To head down to the 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 river where they you know hunt for seal and and such it was uh, you know it means farm right Bowery right. and Dutch mm. and it was uh, Peter Stuyvesant's farmland. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So Alex, I don't know if you're aware. It was New Amsterdam before the Dutch was were in New York before. Before, before. Yeah, 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 plenty of people were places before we were there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that's not the important part. <laughs> well, we're here last. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, so well, I... Um, no, you're here now. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. That is true. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I didn't... I, I, was, I felt kind of responsible, and I felt kind of bad for Lalo because um, he was really tormented by this. Hmm. So I did a, you know, what every, what every good boss will do. I did a Google search. Sure. How can I protect my staff from this ghost infestation? And... Hmm. You know, the suggestions of burning sage, burning Palo Santo. We tried these things to no avail. You know, I've burned my divorce papers. That might have worked. And, yeah, but I, the, the funny thing is I, I didn't really want to get rid of the ghosts. Right. Because they're... Um, they're Kind of magical. Part of the fabric. They're kind yeah. of part of the. F- this sounds so silly. Oh my god! But um, okay, so one time, and I'm totally ashamed to admit this, but we had an exterminator catch a rat in the back alley. Hard labor happens. In New York. It never yeah. happens. Yeah. I don't know why I'm ashamed. Or London. It's, if it's, we're the, same being in, it's the same in London. Don't, yeah. be, don't be ashamed. And um, I asked him to let it live, and he said, "You know." Are you sure <laughs> it'll just come back? And I just couldn't bear the thought of killing it right then and there. So I said, "Please let it live. Take it down to Houston, set it free." <laughs> and um, that's kind of what I wanted for the ghosts, like the spiritual equivalent of catching a rat in a can. <laughs> you didn't think of making an example out of the rat, like pinning it up by its no, ears, God, no. like a deterrent to the other no. rats. Well, that wouldn't work with ghosts, I, I don't think. Um, in a way, the ghosts became very like a very personal thing for me because I'm a writer, yeah. 
And um, they really inspired me. And I gave them names and a life. And they were, you know, lovers torn apart, searching for each other. And one upstairs, one downstairs. Exactly. <laughs> and it just, it was like, yeah, it was beautiful. Can I ask a question? Of course. Uh, you, and um, has the layout upstairs changed? Because uh, just you know, if coming through a wall, was there at one point? A yeah, it was. But previously, it was two buildings. I promise you, I didn't know that before. Yeah, we, we <laughs> it's true. Now it's. Still two buildings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, but, but, the, but the layout has changed, and therefore yeah. once... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yes, so the ghosts are, are actually in different yeah. buildings. They're in the buildings they were in. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I didn't want to so get rid of them. So ghosts inspire you. They inspire yeah. me, in a way. Karen um, did not call Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for which the ghosts Who are, you gonna are call? I'm gonna call very, very yeah. grateful. Yeah, yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> but I did call a psychic. Um, so I called a psychic. She came in because I wanted, I didn't want Lala to be all, you know, scared all the time. Right. It's hard to do your work when you're scared all the time. Mm -hmm. um, she came in full of patchouli and scarves <laughs> and all this, you know, and I felt reassured. And I felt... I would not feel I reassured. No, yeah. well, I was going to say there's <laughs> not a... Not by a notion of an expert, but all right. Yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's a friend of ours in the room who dated someone like that, and he was not at all reassured by that combination. <laughs> well, she said she could help. Could have been me. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, but it, I felt ridiculous, because, because I really I don't believe in ghosts, <laughs> which is kind of silly. As the owner of a ghostly As haunted of, of, bar, yeah. Of a haunted bar. <laughs> But I want to say, I think it's important to acknowledge a ghost, right? Because a ghost, you know, it just turns your attention to, to small things, yeah. right? Like, they only appear when you're focused on something else or when you're engaged in, like, busy work or you're not thinking about it. And it's always in the, in the periphery. Just outside your... Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's... I don't know. It just draws your attention to these insignificant moments of life. Um, and they also appear when you're in that kind of liminal state between being awake and asleep, which is also... Which I like to call Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> or t right now. Um, yeah, and these are moments we forget because we're always so, like, busy. And we're always so, like, striving for perfection and for money and fame, whatever the... Whatever the hell people want. Or well, subscribers is all we want. That's <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, or we're, or we're running away from trauma. So it's, it's one or the other. We, you know, we're fight or flight. You know, some, someone wrote, I'm going to say it's Henry James. If I'm wrong, I'm going to fix it later, that uh, ghosts are longing. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Can I tell you my ghost story? You oh my oh goodness! Please. You didn't. You didn't know I had. I this. did not. Um, my ghost story is as follows: My um, father's mother uh, had always said that she would uh, babysit the baby, that is me, um, uh, when I arrived. And sadly, she got cancer and died very shortly before I was born. And uh, she would always you know, sing my dad a song, sing his brother, my my uncle a song, and uh, that was the, the the song that the baby was going to get. Uh, fast forward, I arrive, of course, joyous moment. Everyone's very happy, naturally. And uh, <laughs> and then after that, that initial glow wears Buyer's off. Buyer's Indeed. My, my parents are, uh, you know, are, are in one room and uh, 
they hear the, the cry of the baby. Oh, God. And the ba- you can hear it through the baby monitor that I'm shouting the odds. And then they both say, Oof. they Uh-oh. both say, they heard my grandmother singing to me and the baby's crying stopped. And my parents wow. were very rational people. My father's no longer with us. My parents were very rational people, no belief in these things in general. But it was that they both swore that that happened. Uh, wow. wow. Now, were Alex, were they in the same room when they heard it? They were sitting together saying, yeah. and yeah. went quiet. I mean, what do I know? I was, I was in the next room making some noise. But uh, they were sitting together and would tell you uh, that they, they heard that at the same time. Well, as uh, as our beautiful. our loyal listeners and our many viewers know, I my family has a UFO history, which we'll be talk about talking about in a future episode. So, the paranormal is not a strange thing to me. The closest I've ever come to something like that, which has actually just sent a little shiver down my spine, you know, largely the fact that you were involved, but it was I'm in the I'm in the fifth grade, ten eleven years old. Tragically, uh, a kid in my class, Scott, died. And it was from something called Rye Syndrome, which hasn't existed for half a century. And this is the first encounter any of us had had with death of any kind. Sure. And for some bizarre, small town, scarring you forever reason, uh, we all went to the funeral together in this car caravan, and we looked at the kid, and it was an open coffin thing. Good grief. Oh, my God, yeah, Good he's grief. 11. He's waxed. You know, the whole thing back in the day. And I, uh, I rode home in the car with my sixth grade, te- yeah, sixth grade teacher. <clears throat> We're driving along. It's about 10 minutes after twilight. She looks in the rearview mirror of her Volkswagen Beetle, which I still remember, orange. Her face literally goes white. She says to me, Scott is in the back seat. I'm 11 or whatever, you know, and I'm sitting there like grabbing the sides of the of the seat of the car, trying to stay sane. And of course, I go. Brian is slowly. If you're listening to us, Brian is slowly turning his head. Yeah, what are we on radio? And of course, there's no one there. But the thing is, she was in a position of authority over me, and she believed it. Yeah, yeah. The 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 grown up believed it. Yeah. So. I don't know. To this day, I kind of believe it. Wow. Apologies. We digress. No. Continue on. That's amazing. Bizarre. Um, yeah, so the psychic came. So I did. I had the psychic in here, mm-hmm. and um, she said that um, it's not uncommon to find ghosts in, in bars. It's like Happy places. Happy places yeah. and a lot of energy, a lot of activity. I think we can agree that's where we want to haunt. That's where that's, we want Yeah, that's where I'm going to go when, yeah. when I'm dead. No, just kidding. Uh, she said she sensed two presences, maybe three, a girl who was seven, <laughs> and um, who died well over 100 years ago, and a man who's much older um, who passed more recently on the Bowery. And uh, so that's not my story. <laughs> it's not the ghosts <laughs> I was imagining. Um, she lit three white candles, asked us to hold hands, um, myself and my two porters. And um, she spoke about a white light, said it was okay to go to the light. Everyone's waiting for you there. Mm. And then she was done. Uh, I thanked her, and I handed her a check. 
Um, <laughs> which was not imaginary. That was, that <laughs> that was, was real. That was re- <laughs> Nothing <laughs> ethereal about that. No, right. uh, I'm hoping it w- could be a business expense. Um, I'd buy it. Yeah, my accountant thinks I'm crazy. But anyway, <laughs> another thing that the ghosts inspired here was um, uh, Gregory and I. Yes. Um, yeah, it inspired a ghost story reading series. We're both yes. writers. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah. All right, so introduce Gregory properly, because I failed to do that, and talk about Absolutely. Bowery Gothic. Yeah. This is Gregory Co- Crosby. He and I, yes. Amazing poet, uh, ghost chaser, <laughs> and... Well, I mean, here's the the strange and deep origin story of Bowery Gothic, the literary, the online literary journal that Karin and I edit, uh, and it begins. Which is in our show notes, viewers. Our show notes, Bowerygothic.com, uh, and it begins uh, as many sad stories do in the 21st century on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> About a decade ago, uh, I saw a hashtag that said "13-word horror story." And apparently the challenge was to write an entire horror story in only 13 words. It was a contest for Granta at the time, which I did not realize, which is good, because otherwise I probably would have ignored it, being (laughs) disdaining contests in general. I just thought it was a writing prompt. I'm a longtime fan of supernatural fiction and horror movies and everything gothic. So I thought, I'll try my hand at that. And uh, uh, I was possessed by a demon, and I wound up writing 300, over 300 (laughs) 13-word horror stories. Now, as it's those amazing you, how many writers you, say that. Yeah, as you know, when you're a writer, sometimes you write something and you think, well, what am I going to do with this? This thing that I've been obsessing over and writing. And one of the things that came out of it was a, a poetry chapbook put out by Small Brooklyn Press where a friend of mine did some woodcuts to go with a handful of these 13-word horror stories. And then, of course, when you have something in the world, when you have a book, you want to have an event. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what would be a better venue for a release party of 13-word horror stories than a haunted basement <laughs> Fair. of a bar. Having known, having known Karin and Vaughn from back in the day, we both did yeah. our MFAs at the City College of New York, so that was how we knew each other. So we thought, why not do a Halloween reading? So in 2017, we put together a selection of poetry, spooky poetry, and fiction, uh, and we did a, a fantastic reading right here in the basement in which we are sitting, and it was a tremendous success. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there were many uh, people who went insane. They were so terrified. <laughs> They're uh, called editors, aren't they? Uh, no, no, sadly, oh. these, are, these are just normal people. Uh, you know, we did have a nurse on duty upstairs. Uh, as and you know, there are the actually more ghosts now. Yeah, more ghosts. Now. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, it was such this a is su- reminding me more and more of my first marriage. <laughs> it was such a success that we decided that uh, well, actually, Karen decided in her infinite wisdom, let's make this into a regular thing. Sure. And so uh, we created a journal dedicated to spooky stories and and spooky poetry, uh, and even more interesting to tie it into both the physical history of the space, relics. Because as anyone who knows New York knows, New York is a city so full of ghosts. Now, of course, all yeah. cities are full of ghosts, but there's something about New York and the, the layers of ghosts on a single block in a single neighborhood. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a more haunted right. section of New York 
then downtown and particularly around the Bowery yeah. itself. And so we then uh, brought in someone else, right, Karin, yeah. to for the for the website. And who would that be? Now, this is we're going to say argue that this is the most haunted, yes, reported building in Manhattan. Am I right? As far as we know, yeah. <laughs> Alex, did you have something you wanted? To yeah, I just wanted to say. Do you know one of your 13-word horror stories off by heart? Would you tell us? Oh, one? yeah, please. Oh, yes. oh, well, I happen to have uh, <laughs> all 300 right here. <laughs> uh, just, just one. Just Someone <laughs> delivered that folio. I don't know who it was. So this is, uh, this is one of the 13-word horror stories. Trembling, she lit a match. Something without eyes grinned and blew it out. Ooh. Ouch! <laughs> oh, it's very some, good. Some, uh, yeah, some some, uh, some spine tingling action yeah. happening. Yeah. Here. I have, let's do. Let's no, do no, one. No. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Oh, one more! I couldn't possibly do. Oh, wait! I have <laughs> <laughs> Tip your uh, waiters. We'll be here all week. <laughs> Her bony fingers closed around his throat. There goes my manicure. <laughs> Very what, good. Once again, well, like, were you my marriage counselor or what happened? Very good. They that, are some. Some of them are more humorous than not because if you write three hundred thirteen word go, yeah, horror stories, you're going to have to variation. fall back upon some humor at one point. That, but that, that was the impetus. That first one reminds yeah. me of a of a science fiction story called "I, I have no I have no mouth and but I must scream." By the great Harlan Ellison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. indeed. That was, yeah. that was super. Indeed. I, I interrupted you. You were going to introduce. Oh, uh, yeah. Karen was going well, to introduce an another, another member. sort of aspect of the, the literary journal of Bowery Gothic is it's tied to this place and it's tied to our writing and ghost stories and like the literature of the macabre. But it's also tied to the Bowery because yeah. this is where we are and this is where I live. I live actually around the corner. Um, for many years, love my neighborhood, love the history of the neighborhood, and the lore of the neighborhood. And we we have a neighbor who's here tonight, Adam Woodward, who Adam. is a, sort of an, an expert on the Bowery yes. and its lore and this neighborhood, and, and the curator of and the relic section. Exactly. Of so we have a yeah. section on the on the website called on, on the literary journal called Unearthed. In which we um, we uh, we show Adam's amazing finds from his uh, what is it your midnight um, excavations excavations <coughs> yeah so anyway I'd like to well would yeah. you hold just one second hold on uh oh <laughs> not superstitious but. Are these relics among us in the building right now? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, Adam, welcome to the Haunted Hidden History Happy Hour podcast. Uh, I God, I wish I would have done the happy hour more now because I know you're going to scare the living shit out of us. Um, your stories are uh, based in reality. They're based on exceptional in-depth research. And at the end of the day, they're very sad, right? This Hi, Adam Woodward. Um, this particular book um, I just finished during COVID it's called 295 Bowery Suicides. And it's a reference to the building, which is on the cover, um, which door, was at yeah. 295 Bowery. It's gone yeah. now, uh, but it was right across the street. Yep. 
And oh, uh, you got to get a little bit closer to the mic. I'm oh, sorry. No worries. Um, so the building in the 1890s was the location of a place called McGurk's Suicide Hall. It was whoa, just whoa, 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 whoa. sort of. <laughs> it I, I wasn't know, actually point. called McGurk Suicide Hall. It that's was called the actual name was McGurk's Sporting Hall. All right, but it was called Better. in the press McGurk's Suicide Hall, and it was called that because in 1898, 1899, there was a wave of girls who committed suicide there that had sort of a suicide pack. What was the age range, Six, more or less? The girls were teenagers, Ugh. like 14 to 16. The first wave of them. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't really unique. I found multiple suicide packs in the neighborhood. On, on Christie Street, there was a building called Suicide Flat, which had so many suicides, it was actually known as a you know, suicide apartment. So it wasn't just a clever name then? Um, it wasn't just a clever name. It was, it was called, it was almost, I guess you could call it an endemic. Um, and there were a couple reasons. There was something called Paris Green, which was a really cheap insecticide, which was readily available. And it was sold to children. It was unregulated. You know, for, for a penny, any kid could walk into a hardware store and get enough Paris Green to die, I guess. But there were many other things, carbolic wow. acid, uh, gas-lit hotels. And there were so many hotels on the Bowery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a destination for suicides. <coughs> So the Bowery's always had an association with suicide. Um, going back, actually, colonial law dictated that pirates and people who committed suicide were to be buried on the Bowery. And sometimes that would be British colonial law. That was right? British. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. not yeah. Dutch. Just, just <laughs> want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> no, that you, was, you're welcome. It was clear. <laughs> yeah. you, you're welcome. The Dutch were much more liberal than that. Um, yeah. Smoke and a pancake and bury where you like. <laughs> I've seen several citations so of people. Me, I'm sorry. Right, no, they would drive a stake through your heart and bury you on the side of the highway. So I keep expecting someday for one of those burials to turn up. Yeah. You know, when they're building a new building or something. Um, so the girls who committed suicide at 295 Bowery, it was sort of, um, it was widely reported in the newspapers here and nationally. Um, and it's still sort of, it's like almost a pretty uh, Victorian, like, what is it, missing white woman syndrome, yeah. where they were all these kind of pretty, like, sad stories of, like, you know, a bunch of kind of Victorian moral lessons were built into it of girls going astray. Um, yeah, it's, it's Jack the Ripper. So, yeah, they yeah. were, so it was. You know, and they were all quite pretty and had sort of sad stories. Um, but so the title of the book, 295 Bowery Suicides, is sort of using that as a starting point, and then showing 295 other Bowery suicides that have nothing to do with that. It's kind of calling out the, like, missing white woman syndrome. Like, everybody knows the story about these girls, but there are literally thousands of other suicides right. people on the Bowery. I had a grandfather who died, not in the Bowery, but in a flop house, yeah. a lot like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I sort of understand, like, the toll that that takes on families and how people don't talk about it. And it's just sort of been, a, you know, a 300-year history of, Kind of carnage on the Bowery. What uh, can we I, do? I don't mean to laugh about it either. No, no, no. I mean, but look. if I can say one other thing, the yeah, book yeah, is, is sort of rooted, like in a. I brought a couple of printouts of these yeah. penny murder kind of English penny yeah. murder ballads. Yeah. And the book is also meant to sort of like illustrate themes of the Bowery through the book without yeah. mentioning them. You know, it's sort of. <clears throat> 
a mimeograph revolution, like copy shop book, which is kind of a nod to the 1960s, like yeah. beatniks. Well, we'll have those up on our, on our what, site. What is on the site of that building now? Now it is a big development owned by uh, an international REIT called Avalon Bay. And the so su- it's residential or it, it's commercial? Or? It's residential. It was the sort of the first high-end uh, residential real estate development on the Bowery. And t- t- the obvious the question 90s. is, did, did the residents ever say that they they see things? I have a feeling most of the residents don't know anything about it. It's sort of, you know, a 12 But the real test would be if they said they see things. Right, especially <laughs> because they don't right. know anything about but, it. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the kind of building that chases ghosts away. I think ghosts would be really uncomfortable <laughs> in, a, in a big glass. It's convenient. You know, with right. the whole, ghosts whole ain't afraid of no ghosts, except they are. Yeah. yeah, no, it scared the ghosts. That building scared the ghosts out of the Bowery. So what inspired you to write the, to, to collect these documents and, and memorialize so, them? Yeah, I, I just had this. I was at the Tenement Museum on a tour, and they mentioned the 295 Bowery suicides once, and it just popped into my head of, like, 295 actual Bowery suicides. Um, (coughs) Murder most foul, exclamation point. Oh, that is a New York City murder. That's the Helen Jewett murder. Yeah. You guys may know more about this than I do, but there was a whole literature, like a fetishization of ghosts and murder and suicide and death. So I I grew up, you guys have been talking about the history of of this place, and I'm I'm fascinated by it. I I grew up in the, one of the, more original uh, places for, for this <laughs> stuff in, in, in England, where so my the Moises Hall Museum is in my hometown in Bury St Edmunds, and the central feature of it is connected to the murder in the Red Barn, where a woman called Mariah Martin uh, was killed by her, her lover William Corder. And you were, uh, we talk about traumatic, as a school child taken <laughs> around the museum, you'd be presented with the Bible bound in his flesh. Now, I mean, it's, kind of, it's not your average, you know, if you said it now to, you know, the millennials are flutter everywhere, but that was that was the norm for a school kid growing it's up. It's the Bury St. Edmunds Chainsaw Massacre. Correct. Yeah. Oh. Well, it was 18, 1827, so actually it's around the same Probably kind of time. Probably not chainsaw. Stuff. Yeah. Regular saw. Well, and, and Adam is in a, a marvelous and long tradition of the recovery of the past that parts of the past that are often, especially in American history, simply swept under the rug. Uh, books like Wisconsin Death Trip, the famous collection that of photographs. Huge yeah, huge inspiration. Things like the poet Charles Resnikoff's book Testimony, where he simply took uh, uh, newspaper accounts of, of everyday crimes and turned them into poems that just really, uh, that are just part of the sort of quotidian life in America in the past. And which a lot of is very much concerned with violence and death and and suicide. Uh, and as we know, America doesn't really enjoy <laughs> thinking about those things. So 295 is also very much in, it's, one could think of it as a memento mori uh, on the one level, right? Remember, this is, you know, this is the, the fate, but it's also a recovery of all of these people who otherwise their stories would not be told. Everyone knows Jack the Ripper, but how many people know the names of the six women that he killed? Yeah, exactly. And we and we've had this R- rip, uh, Ripperologist aside, almost no, almost no. Yeah, yeah. Know. The only one would be yeah. Ripperologist. We, and we've had this conversation a number of times on the podcast. It's a little bit of a one-off, but you know, the victors write the history, 
And we don't know the stories of the people who failed. So we, we've talked about the people that succeeded in daring raids, not the other 10 schmucks who yeah. tried it and, and, yeah. and were killed, right? Yeah. And so, it wasn't so long ago that the Bowery was synonymous with the lost, with all of the flop houses, all of the, uh, the long that, alcoholic history. That's yeah. a big reason. The hotels, and there's always been an ethic on the Bowery of sort of don't ask, don't tell. Like you keep it yourself and don't talk about it and you don't ask questions. You know, in so many of these are cases of people who just came – Either had like bad luck, you know, or hard times, and just chucked into one of the many twenty-five cent hotels and turned on the gas cock and yeah. like blew out the flame and just didn't wake up. Which seems to track with this notion that this is a very, very haunted part of New York City because it was a a repository for yeah. for so many lost souls. I stopped researching when I found five thousand suicides. Oh my god! Good grief! And did did you have any crossover with? ghostly happenings is there any can you draw any conclusions by this from the suicides compared to the alleged hauntings or no i so i was in this building 295 bowery when they tore it down um well hopefully not when they tore it down (laughs) no i actually was in there when they were tearing it i actually ended up spending the weekend in prison but that's another story. You know, like it happens. This <laughs> happened to Alex so many times. Criminal Couple trespassing. It was thrown out of court. Hashtag weekend in prison. A future pictures. episode. Yeah. Well, I got a tour of the tombs, which I've always wanted to see. Um, the basement. And I also, like Karen, don't believe in ghosts, but I still feel like I deal with them. I don't so think she said she doesn't believe. What she did, did say say that? Yeah, she did. She, I, did. she, did. she, did. she did. I don't believe well, in ghosts. that's bullshit right, right there. The uh, but there was something in the basement that was like repelling me like like two magnets pushing against each other right that i had a really hard time breaking through it and i wouldn't say it was a ghost but at one point i walked through the building with a psychic and when she was in the same spot she simulated being choked to death uh she could have been acting but her story was that she just relived a woman who was choked and thrown down the stairs Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so my other um, uh, Mariah Martin Red Barn story, I wasn't finished with the exploitation of the, the, of the murderer. Because the <laughs> me- men of science, after they killed William Calder and, and skinned him and turned his flesh into a Bible cover. Uh, they, Waste no part uh, of the animal. The, indeed, there's men of science who said, you know, you know, say what, this can be put to good use. They put his skeleton in the West Suffolk Hospital, which is where I was born. The hospital actually moved site, but I was born in the West Suffolk Hospital. Um, they put his skeleton in the hospital. And uh, they had a, a floor plate in front of the glass case that the skeleton was in, so that as you walked towards it, the skeleton's arm would lift <laughs> and, <laughs> and point to the collection box that you could make a donation in. Right? And so they, they, thought, they, they thought this was very funny. And throughout their lives, in a series of unfortunate events, they were so haunted that they paid for a Christian burial for the skeleton. Right? So make of it what you will. If anything warranted a haunting, that would be it. Yeah. It, right. feels like the lesson, right? it feels like the lesson there is you can monetize anything. <laughs> and please subscribe to our podcast, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Audience question. Yes, sir. Yeah, how did so, you research so 295 when, suicides? When I thought of the idea, um, first of all, I have to thank COVID for having two years with absolutely nothing to do. Um, As do we all. Yeah. Um, but I had the idea, and I thought it would be pretty hard to come up with almost 300 suicides, and I found them in probably the first two days. 
they used to be reported in newspapers um, until until the 1940s, I would say. No, they're pretty, and they're not really always kind. A lot of them are yeah, really they're tabloidy, kind of right? Yeah. Tabloidy, patriot, condescending, sort of you know, laugh at them, and poor people are treated much worse than wealthy people mm, who mm-hmm. get the benefit of the doubt. Um, but they were just in the newspapers. Yeah, we forget every, that there is a wealth. Full them. There's a wealth of these kinds of stories. Uh, in the newspapers, because once upon a time, there was nothing but newspapers. Right. And so everything <coughs> was reported, in, in, and so long as there's an archive, there, the, it, there's probably, I mean, we, think, we tend to think now, thanks to the Internet, that, oh, there's somewhere someone has recorded this, or it somehow exists on the, on the Internet. But the Internet's a very different beast yeah. than mm-hmm. the uh, 19th, uh, 19th century <laughs> and 20th century you know, newspaper archives, where you know, literally everything from the lowest to the highest somehow wound up. Even it might be on page thirty-eight, no, but, it's but somehow it's right. there. Yeah. It's somehow, really yeah, might have to go through the bad. microfiche in the library. But mm-hmm. boy, yeah. are you on message? Because a couple episodes ago, we had a long conversation, which I recommend to everyone subscribe uh, about the ways that the archives of history are changing. And we also talked about this on our friend Chitra's podcast, which is in the show notes. Um, that, you know, documents are malleable, right? People wrote them. People had agendas. Newspaper had, newspapers had agendas. Not that that would happen now. Um, <laughs> but it's much harder to fake that stuff now, you know? So when you're researching a book like this, when you're teaching your class, how do you look back at a suicide story from 1920 and parse the extent to which it was... Maybe somebody who didn't like the person told the story. Maybe the person who told the story murdered the person who's dead. Or maybe it was just such a sensational story that they added a few extra facts to make the story better. How do you know what really happened? Well, you don't. You don't. Thank you. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) There's the there's the podcast killer. Well, you don't. Uh, You don't know. All you can do is see the, the. the, the trick of it is context. Right. And that's the one thing that, that the internet and television before it destroyed. Uh, you look at the context in which something is reported and a story is told, and that tells you more, much, much more than the story itself is often telling yeah, you. Yeah, today we would call that metadata. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're monetizing context, yes. <laughs> no, but and all kidding aside, so in modern internet-based communications... Sometimes it is much more valuable to know when, where, who sent the message, who intercepted the message, who read the message, who published the message, than it is even the context itself. I mean, sorry, than the content itself. Yeah, well, uh, as, as we never tire of quoting, the medium is the message. And it has been ever since electronic media, and I would argue even, you know, newsprint, uh, Penetrated, you know, every corner of the globe. Or in Karen's case, when she brought the psychic down to her, the medium was the message. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. We're here all week. Tip your waiters. Actually, actually, I actually put that line in a poem once. So great minds, once again, think alike. (laughs) I always I always felt poems were for lazy people that just didn't have enough syllables. (laughs) This is a joke. Put the pens down. Don't direct message me. That's a joke. I will quote, I believe it's Mark Twain, who said, I'm sorry I wrote such a long letter. I didn't have time for a shorter one. 
Pithiness is everything. So more power which to is, the poets. Which is why I only wrote thirteen word horror stories. Exactly. Yeah. Well, also and left everything else and left everything else to Stephen King. In your face. If no, this no, bike no. wasn't chained, he'd drop it. All right, so I, I have to re- I have to redeem myself, and there's only two ways to do that. There's three ways to do that. One, you tell a Churchill story. And two, you tell a Mark Twain story, which I've already done. And finally, you tell an Ernest Hemingway story. My favorite, right? Ernest Hemingway. Some of you may not know. I believe this is a true story. If it's not true, it's so good it should be true. That Ernest Hemingway was once threatened, not threatened, was once proposed a bet in a bar by a Miami uh, newspaper reporter. And he said, Mr. Hemingway, I, I, I admire you. You're so good at saying so much with so few words. Can you tell a tragedy in six words? And Hemingway grabs a cocktail napkin and a pen. He writes on it. He hands it to the reporter. And the cocktail napkin says, For sale, children's shoes never worn. Yes. Yes. Which is probably apocryphal, but it's such a great story. Yes. Well, and if it is apocryphal, whoever came up with it should it's be published. Yeah. That's great. We find it hard to believe, but we don't rehearse. Either. It's, <laughs> no, it's just, uh, no, I don't think they're going to find it hard to believe that we don't rehearse because you know they've seen the show and everything. All right. No, it's it's quite impressive. I once wrote a a six word memoir. Entire and? memoir. Oh, would you like to hear it? I, apparently, we would. Yeah. Do you have it with you? I, I have. <laughs> I, I do. It's a six word memoir, and as we all know, memoirs are the story of a life. Correct? Wake, sleep, wake, sleep, wake, sleep. All right. That reminds me of something that <laughs> something that something that Churchill, I believe, said late in life where he declared that he had become an eating, sleeping, excreting machine, full stop. But you can, what a you life can never beat a that. Churchill story. It's very true. Yeah. All right, look, I think we're done here. Um, <laughs> Our work is done. I hope the ghosts liked it. Yes, first yeah. of all, we need to turn the cameras off, drink a shit ton, and see some ghosts tonight. It, everybody out there who wants this experience, come to the Von Bar. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, 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 we missed one thing. You got married here. I yes. did. Yes, I got- did. I'm sitting just a few feet from uh, the Your wife's spot course. where uh, on December 27th, 2021, after 10 years of blissful cohabitation, uh, we finally got married uh, in front of a small group of friends uh, and family. And here's Gross. the miracle of this. This was, again, this was December of last year when Omicron was exploding. No one got sick. Well, it go. was not Fire a super, not a super so, spreader event, yeah. and I should just, I should just timestamp this because we don't know when it's going to actually air. Uh, we are in uh, June of 2022. You were married in December of 2021, and I will tell you, my friend, having spent a life in the social sciences, any relationship that survives the first seven months almost certainly will survive the first 12 months. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good Thank night. you. Cheers. Cheers. That's a good one. Thank you for listening to the Hidden History Happy Hour podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have questions, comments, or suggestions for topics, 
You can find us on Twitter or on our website, hiddenhistoryhappyhour.com. We look forward to joining you next time. Much gratitude to our multi-talented production team of Jeremy Corr, Kate Cruz, and Grace Keller, and to our visionary executive producer, Ivan Williams. And thanks also to our art designer, David Wardle, without whom this podcast would be, well, history. Cheers.